Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on the marathon. We are now into hour number seven. We've gone six strong, and we are still moving along. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. No, I keep doing that. That Hoopsville's acting up. If, if it works for you, let me know. But email me at dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com. Scrolling at the bottom of your screen. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Still lots ahead of us here on the show. Sam Atkinson, the Gallaudet uh, Athletics Director, Associate Athletics Director, is going to join us and uh, talk to us about the NCAA Committee and the Men's Basketball Committee coming up here. Uh, we're running a little bit late, but about 15 minutes from now. Uh, we still have Trevor Woodruff from Scranton and uh, Jim Haney, the head of Division Three Women or Men's Basketball Officiating, and then Happy Hour. Happy Hour is the best. Well, Besides our next guest, I probably shouldn't say that when I've got a guest on hold. Um, so the women are going to have an all-star game for the first time. It's going to be in Salem, which seems appropriate enough. They know how to get those things done. You need a sponsor for these things, and that's been the hang-up for the last few years since the Constellation game was removed. They couldn't find a sponsor. The men have a relationship with Hershey's, thus Reese's, and they're able to make it happen. Women don't have those kinds of relationships. They don't have that ability. They found somebody, and because of Division Three's involvement, with this organization, and because, interesting enough, this organization has some Division Three background, it seems like the perfect fit. But who is beyond sports? Well, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline via Skype is one of the co-founders of Beyond Sports. It's Josh Erickson. And Josh, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time to join us here. Hey, thanks, Dave. Happy to be on the show. Definitely excited about talking about the All-Star game. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm excited. I'm not going to be able to be on hand for the game. But I'm excited about it because I think, especially when they got rid of the consolation game, I might have seen the last really good one between Amherst and Williams, and that's because it was a rivalry. Uh, it, it, we're excited that this gets to take place uh, to see women's seniors have their final um, celebration, for lack of a better description. So I, the second I saw Beyond Sports on there, I kind of went, yeah, I, yeah, that makes some sense. Uh, I know your relationships in Division Three; it made some sense, but I don't think a lot of people understand who Beyond Sports really is. We'll get to your background, but if you can just give us a quick synopsis on who Beyond Sports is, that that might help a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Um, Beyond Sports, so we work with college student-athletes and college teams, college coaches for international programs. Um, that includes team trips, foreign tours. We've had the incredible opportunity of working with a lot of D3 basketball teams, D3 volleyball teams, D3 soccer teams on international tours um, to a number of countries throughout the world. Um, we also do um, international tours for individual student athletes. So maybe they're not traveling with their team, but they form a team with other division three um, basketball players from schools across the country. And they go on an international tour to Spain or to Italy or to Costa Rica. Um, and we have D three coaches um, that join us on those international adventures as coaches. Um, and we also do um, study abroad and international internship programs for student athletes. Um, so if they want to do for basketball players, you know, you can't study abroad during the school year. So provide opportunities for them to go during the summer months, earn academic credit, live in another country. Um, so we've been running programs since 2010. Um, we do more basketball trips than any other sport. We're very involved with other um, sports and another division three teams. But, um, you know, my background is as a basketball coach. And, um, you know, that's how, kind of how we got started specifically in what we do in Costa Rica. Um, and since then, you know, we've expanded and now do international programs for college teams and athletes in seven different countries. Um, I would venture a guess that uh, you, you, you realized you had walked down the dark side, as it were, in coaching. 
uh, and decided to get out. Um, but the reason we learned about the Beyond Sports side was because of the coaching angle. You had a number of coaches, especially in Division Three, Brian Morehouse, uh, Alex Ritchie come to mind off the top of my head, who got involved in, in the work you all do in the offseason in communities and, and elsewhere, bringing the game and, and helping those communities. And, and it seemed like um, they really loved what you guys were doing. And it seemed like thus I could see how you're growing and thus a perfect fit for this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're, we've been fortunate enough to work with student athletes, you know, now from over 600 schools. Um, so not just division three level, obviously, but you know, the coaches that we've been able to, to work with that have joined us on trips. You mentioned two of them, Alex Ritchie, Brian Morehouse. Um, they both coached two tours, international tours with us in Spain and Italy. Um, and so with all of the D three relationships that we have and schools that we work with students that we work with, um, when the WBCA and Pat Manning were looking for a sponsor, um, it was actually Brian Morehouse that started the whole conversation. Um, Brian reached out to me last spring and, um, you know, on a personal level, guys like Brian Morehouse, Alex Ritchie, a lot of these other coaches we've worked with, you know, when you travel abroad with them and you do these programs, you're fortunate to develop very close friendships with them. And there's so many great people coaching in um, Division Three sports or, you know, at all levels of NCA. Um, and Brian Morehouse reached out to me and we talked about um, what they were trying to do and they, you know, that Pat had been working on this for a few years. And she linked me up or he linked me up with Pat. Um, this would have been last spring. And we had an ongoing conversation for a few months trying to figure out the details of it. Um, this is the first kind of event we've been involved with in terms of as a sponsor. Um, so it's definitely a little bit of uncharted territory for us there. But, you know, our background, is, the majority of our staff were Division three student athletes. Um, you know, one of our newest staff members, uh, Tim Whittle, he was the head coach at McAllister the last eight years and um, on the men's basketball side. And he joined our staff in September um, after a 17 year college coaching career. And, you know, he's just an example of one of our many staff members that had come from D3 athletics. And so to have an opportunity to support the women's game. Um, obviously the men's division three game has been really successful, as you mentioned for a number of years to be able to play a small role in helping them launch this women's game is something we're really proud of being a part of. We should point out, you had to make basically a multi-year commitment. They didn't want something that was going to be a sponsor for one year. And then they back out and they're back to square one for the second year. They wanted a minimum. I, I don't know about you, but I know a minimum of three years to get this thing off. It's off the ground, Salem, then to capital. Uh, where Dixie Jeffers would obviously keep it running, then back to Salem, so that by the time they go to a new city outside Pittsburgh or in Pittsburgh area, this has now got some momentum to it. It's got some permanence to it. Was there any worry about doing it over a multi-year thing, or was that almost a slam dunk for you? Yeah, to be honest, there was definitely some concerns about how long, just because um, this isn't something that we've done before. I mean, we're obviously not Reese's, um, and right. so it's a little bit different on with the sponsor of the men's game. And so this for us was, you know, in terms of an investment, um, yeah, there's obviously risks in committing to a long-term, um, you know, contract and doing it. But the value in committing to, you know, multiple years is we're building this from scratch. And again, I don't want to overstate our role in this. Our role is very small. Pat, the 
committee, all of those different, you know, wonderful coaches, the WBCA, they're the ones that have been working on this for years. Um, our role is very small, but by committing to multiple years, it allows us to build this together. Um, we don't look at this just in terms of, okay, we have this many years of the contract to do it. Um, you know, we want to build this out for as long as possible and have it to be a, a consistent thing, just like the men's game. And for us, you know, it's not just about the event itself. As I talked with Pat on during our first conversation, it's an opportunity for us to build more relationships with Division Three coaches, and that's what we do. Our programs with a lot of Division Three teams, both on the women's and men's side. Um, and so for us, it's just a great opportunity to keep building those relationships. You mentioned a lot of the Division Three roots. Uh, you are a Division Three former student athlete, though you downplay it to me. Uh, your co-founder is a former Division Three school alum as well. You both went to Willamette. Uh, of course, big win over Whitworth the other night in men's basketball. Um, tell us a little bit about those roots at, at Willamette. And you talked about the coaching, but you know what? What were the roots essentially that 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 has bridged you to where you are now? Yeah, so my co-founder and I both played basketball at Willamette University. Um, Grant Leslie, my co-founder, he was actually also a quarterback for the football team that you know finished top five one of the years with Coach Speckman um, yeah. way back. But so um, Kip Ione, the current head coach at Willamette University, um, who is also my brother-in-law, um, unfortunately for him, he his first year he was hired to be the head coach at Willamette. I was his assistant coach. Um, and so that was really my background was in coaching. Um, and, and, you know, simultaneously from starting beyond sports with my co-founder, Grant Wesley, um, I moved to Costa Rica and lived down there for six years, coaching basketball, um, and coached, um, professional team down there for six years and had a chance to coach the national team there. And that was also a big, played a big role in us starting to do these international team trips. Um, and it opened the door of coaches reaching out to me, reaching out to our organization saying, Hey, we'd love to bring our team down there. I know you're living down there and coaching. Um, and you know, every year we get five to 10, um, or more division three teams that come down. And, um, it really all did start with, you know, us coming from that division three playing background. And then, you know, my brief coaching opportunity in division three before, you know, going down and coaching, uh, in Costa Rica and, and kind of what we built from there. Certainly interesting, to say the least. Um, it, it gets you involved a little bit. You're going to have to come to the East Coast. I'm warning you now. Um, I, you you might have liked the West Coast and the Northwest, but Salem, Virginia is located in Virginia, and it's on the East Coast. You're going to have to do some time change in here, uh, Josh. Um, yeah, you hey, ready? you know, I, I tell people about travel. I have a two-year-old, and his first year he did uh, 19 flights in four countries going on all these international programs. So, um, you know, yeah, we're used to doing a lot of travel. I'm I'm so thrilled. I love the idea that they're going to try to build not just the all-star game, but make it a weekend event, get coaches to come, have these other activities, the clinic, um, dinners, different things, obviously, around the championship game. And, um, you know, looking forward to seeing, um, you know, some of uh, my friend, my friends that we've worked with on international tours hopefully be playing on that weekend. Um, you know, I know Adrian Shibbles, she's coached with us the last two summers for Bowden, having a great year, and uh, Jeff Hands and Brian Morehouse and Alex Ritchie and a lot of these um, coaches on the women's side that we've uh, been fortunate enough to work with. They're having great seasons, so I'm really anxious to see who ends up there um, when it's all said and done. Can I have a little fun with you, Josh? Uh, you, we all like to make sure we say Willamette, not some other version. It's Bowden. Oh, my God, you're right. I knew I would mess that up. Don't tell, don't tell Adrian I said that. She's going to be mad at me. I, I can only make fun of that with somebody 
who's at a school that has one of those names. There you go. <laughs> uh, Josh can talk a lot about it, but I, I, we obviously limited time, but I really appreciate the time you took to join us to talk about it. Looking forward to seeing how it progresses, looking forward to seeing what it looks like this year and then beyond. Glad to have a sponsor on board of any kind because I wanted to see this all-star game off the ground. Seems like we found a great partner in a Division Three understanding type of uh, sponsor on top of that, which is win-win in my book. Uh, we have a tradition on this show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, you know, appreciate the opportunity to come on. Um, you know, like I said, you, you know, there's not a whole lot of venues or uh, platforms that are promoting Division Three sports, Division Three teams, and D3 hoops. You guys, what you do, um, it's incredible because there's not a lot of people out there doing it. So, as a former D3 coach and player, um, we appreciate that, and I, you know, it's very valuable for us to follow all the teams, and you know, I get to see what you guys are talking about on different games. You know, like Whitman Whitworth playing a few nights ago. So it's fun to, you know, with our D3 back background to come on and be able to to share with you so definitely appreciate the opportunity to come and talk a little bit more about our programs absolutely i think we'll get you on a little bit more if you if you got any intake or uh or thoughts i should say on on games we'd love to get the uh your point of view i got a few thoughts i don't know if you want to hear them but you know (laughs) i got a few like two thousand points in your willamette career right I think I had more ACL tears than points, but that's a whole other story. We don't need to go there. That's an interesting <laughs> stat. We'll have to dive into that someday. Hey, uh, Josh, thanks so much for your time. Take care, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. All right. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Josh Erickson, co-founder of Beyond Sports. Willamette grad. ACL or points? That one's a good one. We'll find out uh, probably from somebody at their staff because they've been watching the show. Uh, we appreciate him taking the time to join us. We're going to take another break. When we come back, it's all about the men's basketball committee. Sam Atkinson joins us. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Back with more when we come back. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked the top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student-athletes. UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. 
It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on the Marathon as we keep moving along. Got a few more guests to get in, and then uh, we will have the happy hour. Happy hour probably going to take place about 745 at the earliest if you'd like to join in and have some fun with us, as we always do on that segment. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com or Facebook us, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. All right, so we told you we're going to kind of bookend the shows. We started the show with the Women's Basketball Committee Chair. We're kind of finishing, or at least late in the show, with the Men's Basketball Committee Chair. What to expect after the first week of um, action, as it were. They did their mock rankings this week. They come out with their first official regional rankings next week. We talked to Sam Atkinson at the beginning of the season. We now get a chance to kind of get an update from him after they've gotten their feet wet, as it were. And the Gallaudet Associate AD for Communications joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. And Sam, good to hear from you. Hey, good evening, Dave. Good, good to be on the show. And uh, sorry, I'm not in studio for today's interview. <laughs> Darn, you took the you took it out for me. I was going to say uh, you could have been in studio, but uh, uh, considering the weather in the area, I don't blame you for not doing that uh, this time around. Um, so you guys have, uh, as we talked to Karen, gotten your feet wet a little bit, mock rankings uh, out the door, as it were. Obviously, we don't see them. The idea is that it's practice for the racks and for the national side of things. What's your takeaway after getting through that the first time, especially as chair? Yeah, Dave, um, on Tuesday we had our rack uh, mock rankings with our eight different regions, and everything went well. Uh, definitely some newcomers that had to get um, learn the practice and understand the process. And then Wednesday, we actually had a three-hour-plus call um, with our first mock rankings. And, and I can really say, you know, without a doubt, in my three years on the committee, it's, it, that was by far the best uh, rankings that we've ever had. And, you know, I give credit to all the members of our committee. as a great group of gentlemen uh, volunteering their time on this. And we really just dove into the numbers. We dove into the complete resumes of the teams. And... You know, we really felt good after um, that three-hour call. Well, first off, the women beat you at two and a half hours. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but my, more importantly, if that was the best you ever had, should we just release these rankings and be done with it? There's <laughs> still a lot of basketball to be played, for sure. Um, you know, we're, we're still uh, 44 days away from crowning a champion in, in Fort Wayne. But, um, you know, we're only 25 days away from uh, releasing a, a bracket. So, there's still a lot of work to be done, but there's still a lot of basketball. So, you know, there's a lot of big games tonight, for sure, also that will impact how things go next week. I'm not so sure I wanted to hear 25 days away from oh, first brackets <laughs> neither, there, Sam. Neither did I. Neither oh, did I. Sam, you ruined the image I had in my head of such a <laughs> lovely finish. Uh, we have four weekends left before we will be diving in. Uh, and right. you've agreed to come on and just give us all of the uh, regional rankings and selections on Sunday so we don't have to wait for Monday, right? Yeah, I think we're just going to Facebook Live our selections. <laughs> oh, if only. <laughs> right now there's so many NCAA headquarters maybe tuned in going, what? 
He's kidding, no. folks. He's kidding. Uh, we could also do, do it at Andy Nelson's if you really want to have some fun. Um, inside joke. Uh, great barbecue place around the corner from me here in the area. Without a doubt. Um, let's talk about your committee real quick on the national side. Obviously, returners like Chuck McBreen at Ramapo, yourself. Uh, we have Jared Samples, who's actually in his fourth year at, at University of Dallas, um, who, who's back as well. Um, hold on. Leonard Trevino, the athletics director at, at Chatham University, has returned. And Bob yep. Yorkland, the athletics director at Bethel University uh, in Minnesota, is back on. Correct. The new ones, if anyone is paying attention, Rick Ferry takes over for the um, former, who's going into his fourth year, AD at Mary Washington. He's at Albright, representing the Mid-Atlantic. And then you have Mike Schauer at Wheaton of Illinois, uh, the head coach there. And we have uh, Rob Southall, the head coach and assistant AD at Elms College, representing the Northeast. So you've got a few new faces. Rick, I think, has done similar work in the past, but it's been a while since it's kind of the new new stuff has been put in place. It's not so new anymore. But you said everything went, went smooth. Yeah, you know, Rick has served on the, on the National Committee in the past, so he does have that experience and also uh, wearing an athletic director's cap uh, at Albright uh, kind of understands the ins and outs with NCAA and selections. Uh, but with our, our call on Wednesday, uh, we actually you know, went in order with uh, more of the senior members going first to go through their regions. Uh, so not to kind of put the rookies on, on, the, on the spot there. <laughs> oh, but, go uh, ahead and start. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, we don't have any Rob up there in the Northeast. You know, he has a bear of a region of 11 ranked teams. Yeah. And there's a lot to go through there um, and a lot of great teams um, to decipher. Um, yeah. But he, he handled it well. Um, you know, Mike and Rick were just kind of like a, a seasoned coach that was, you know, been on this committee for a couple of years, I felt like. So, <laughs> you know, I was really proud of how everybody handled everything. And, you know, we, we again, it was great discussion. Um, probably the most thorough discussion we've had hmm. um, in the past, too, um, when we were breaking down the regions. So, you know, like, kind of like I listened to Karen earlier and, you know, when they were going through their regions, everybody else on, on that committee is kind of, saving it and comparing teams and looking at the data in front of them, too, to make sure we get it right. I'm sure Bob Yerkland just threw his hands in the air and said, forget it, I'm done uh, with the West region. Well, I, I think we were just also teasing Bob, too, about the temperatures in Minnesota yesterday. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, he probably he probably wanted to do nothing but focus on that yeah. at all, right? He said, he said it warmed up to a negative 48. So, oh, that's uh, it? Okay. Well, yeah. He's fine. It's balmy then. Um, exactly. Yeah, as we discussed with the women, what do you? I know it's early. It's the mocks. We haven't seen the first rankings, but how do you see things now moving forward? Now that you've gotten the first rankings out of the out the gate, in the sense of you guys for practice, and understood how the process. Have you discovered where you're going to maybe have some hangups? Have you discovered where you're going to need maybe need to smooth things out, uh, or have you gotten a pulse of how this is going to work out? Yeah, I think what also what Karen said too. There, there's certain regions right now where you're kind of unsure of how it's going to play out. But you know, talking to our national committee chairs um, for their regions on the call on Wednesday, you know, there's a lot of big games just this week alone mm -hmm. that's going to really help us out um, moving forward next week, and and it, it, it will continue as we continue through conference play here. Uh, we're going to see a lot more of the head-to-heads. So we're going to see um, some teams playing each other two times. Mm -hmm. And that's really going to help um, kind of move a team up or down. Uh, I think a lot of teams still have the ability to play themselves in, um, but also teams have the ability to play themselves out. Sure. Um, you know, so 
we'll see how things go. And the tough thing with, with the first mock ranking, and that's why it takes so long, is just trying to and, you know, figure out where, where to start. Yeah. Um, there are certain regions, and you can probably you know, predict the teams right, right now, uh, that really jump out at you, and, and they're really leading that region, and um, there's no doubt. Uh, but other the other regions, it's really it's a toss-up, and it really felt like with a majority of the regions, the top four teams were pretty solid and, you know, not predictable, but just the idea you kind of knew where they were going to slot in. It really was a toss-up for most of the regions on the bottom half, um, where there's a lot of teams right now that are still, maybe they stub their toe here or there, um, and they also have a good win, but it's also how do you measure that win compared to another team that, has a good win also. Sure. Um, so I think a lot of that's going to play out over the next four weeks. Um, it's just tough, though, when we're doing the rankings on Wednesday morning and we already know, you know, uh, what happened against Whitman and Whitworth. Yeah, and, sure. But, we, but that, doesn't, that doesn't play into that ranking. We can't even think about that, even though um, that will probably impact the, the following week. Um, right. And then even next, even next week with the first official ranking, we're still not going to have that official uh, record against ranked opponents. And... You know, we, we can't go off of that yet. So, you know, as, as you've alluded to in the past, too, you're going to probably see some movement um, in the week, the second week of the rankings when, um, you know, you start seeing that information in front of you. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch it all play out. Talking with Sam Atkinson here, Gallaudet Associate AD for Communications and uh, the Men's Basketball Committee Chair um, this season in his third year on the committee. Uh, we've already gotten the questions, and I, I might as well just get it out of the way now. Obviously, when you look at some of the top rankings, and you hinted at Whitworth and Whitman, and some of the things you guys are going to have to consider down the road, there's a lot of teams in that upper central, um, eastern west, and 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 western northwestern west part of the of the regions that are behemoths, for lack of a better description, right now. And uh-huh. you know, I know you're not looking at bracketing yet. But that's got to be something 25 days out that you're going to be dealing with. You've got to be probably maybe laying some groundwork on how in the world you're going to deal with all that. Yeah, I mean, we haven't touched bracketing uh, yet. And, you know, and I, I would probably say, too, until the first official rankings are out, we're not even going to start thinking about, um, you know, who could be sites or, and, and who right. could host. Um, it's still really early for that. And, you know, you never know what happens with conference championships, conference tournaments. Um, you know, we could have a master plan now, and then all of a sudden it blows up um, in the third week. But, um, yeah, you, know, you do have in the back of your head of, like, where some teams might be um, slotted in, you know, some areas that you want to maybe look at um, mileage or concentrations of schools uh, for options. But, um, you know, a lot of that work doesn't usually happen until probably that uh, second to last week uh, moving into uh, conference championship time. When you, uh, when you obviously start to tackle that things, have you, do you guys get hints from the NCAA ahead of time, or do you finally hear kind of the, the nuts and bolts on what you're going to be allowed to do uh, at the time you start bracketing? When, when did the word finally come from the NCAA to say, hey, we're going to give you X amount of flights or we're not going to give you flights? Do they start giving you that info in advance, or are you kind of not blindsided, but kind of given that once you start asking? Yeah, I think we're, you know, as a committee, we're given the charge to lay out a field uh, following the rules um, that's given to us from the national headquarters. And, you know, we try to follow that, keep all the travel within a 500-mile radius of a host. Um, but as, as you know, and as, as we know, the committee, 
there are certain schools that we do need to fly because of their location and trying to get to a right. site. Um, but we've never been given ahead of time saying you're going to have X amount of flights. Um, of course, you know, in the past with budgets and everything, we need to follow what is um, given to us. And, you know, usually it's, you know, we try to do the best we can as far as uh, positioning the teams best within that 500-mile radius. And, you know, we don't have, um, uh, I guess, a plethora of flights just to hand out the teams. Right. Probably going in the wrong order here, but one of the other topics that I know you and I touched on, I'm surprised. I don't know if anybody heard it as much as I expected. There wasn't much reaction from it initially. Though now that people are starting to talk about things, it's starting to obviously come out because, well, I have to mention it. But you talk about the conversations you guys had. One of the tools that has been, let's arguably say, removed from the toolbox um, was this SOS to win-loss comparison that the Men's Basketball Committee had grown fond of. Uh, this .03 difference in the SOS equates to two games, whether that's .06 to four and .09 to to, to uh, six games is debatable. But that, my point right. being, you guys aren't necessarily or not at all using it. I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth um, at all. And so the SOS, as you and I have discussed, not taking a back seat. It just it, it other other criteria kind of come back into play or more prominently into play now instead of that SOS win-loss battle. Is that right. what presented a lot of the conversations you guys had? And how how did that experience, for those who are used to using that metric, how did the experience work for them? Yeah, so a lot of things on the, to unpack here. Yeah, sorry about um, that. <laughs> no worries. But, no, we're, we're happy to talk about this and make sure you know everybody understands where we're coming from. Um, but yeah, you're correct. You know, in the past, uh, other you know past committees had used a, a metric tool of a .03 equals two games, um, upwards to .06 equals four games. When never uh, above that, as far as I know. Um, but there was no science behind it. Uh, it was never endorsed by the NCAA, and it's not part of the criteria. Um, and basically, this summer when we met as a committee, we were, we were told the same. Um, and you know, other sport committees had used some type of uh, tool or metric, um, you know, like that. Uh, but basically, you know, NCAA and NCAA champs committee saying you guys have to stick to the five primary criteria. And then, you know, there's also the three secondary criteria. And just to go over with your viewers and listeners, you know, the, the five primary criteria being the win-loss percentage, division head-to-head, which is not always available, uh, results versus common division opponents, Results versus all division ranked opponents, which we'll start having in the second week of rankings, right. and, and in division SOS. Then the three secondary criteria is non division win loss, results versus common non division opponents, and division non conference SOS. So, what I can say to this is I think, you know, for example, in East region, you know, our calls in the past have been only sometimes only 15, 30 minutes because a lot of things were worked out by using the metric of a point of three and it kind of maybe eliminated some teams because they didn't have the SOS strength. Sure. Um, and as you know, I think you and others have uh, talked about on the message boards and in the Northeast region, there's a good thread on the NESCAC uh, part about that. And um, it was kind of, you spelt it out a little bit as far as I think certain conferences kind of benefit from a higher SOS because of, the way their conference is structured, um, not having a double round robin um, and not facing each other twice. Um, and some teams maybe have gotten a higher SOS 
um, because of who they play, maybe not who they beat. And sure. um, I think, you know, as I mentioned back in November and moving forward, you know, as a committee, you know, this is probably the course correction that needed to happen for this. Um, I think what we saw on Tuesday and on Wednesday within our regions and RACs and also on the national committee was very, very good critical conversations about teams and really looking at the entire resume of a team. Um, this was the most we've ever dove into a team's resume this early in the season. Um, you know, our East region call took two hours. And, you know, to us to be able to get it right and to really look at the quality of the wins um, and, you know, even going to that second page on the second uh, second criteria, the Division Nine Conference, SOS, um, did play a role for a lot of um, teams as far as, you know, which team would maybe move up and move down uh, to kind of see who are these teams scheduling outside of their uh, conference play and, you know, are they winning those games? So, again, you know, I think as a national committee, we felt very good after the call on Wednesday that, hey, you know, we really looked at the entire resume of these teams. And I think now, you know, we're not saying, like, you know, go out and schedule soft or stay at home and, and win all your games and you're going to get in. Um, but I do think there is a path for a team that has maybe a weaker SOS um, who maybe can, you know, to no uh, fault of their own if, if their conference is not as strong. But if they're able to schedule stronger non-conference games and win a couple of those games, you know, they're not going to get dinged because of, per se, maybe just their conference. Let me uh, uh, do a couple of things with what you said. First off, you said sure. in-division SOS and in-division results. We should point out, if someone doesn't, and I'm, it's not happening often, but I want to make sure it gets out there. If you don't meet the minimum requirement of what your in-region schedule is supposed to be, and that's 70% being opponents that meet the in-region rules, 500 right. miles in your region or in your um, NCA <clears throat> larger, um, uh, what's the word, um, administrative region, then it then that is what your record is. That happens once in a while. I just want to make sure that gets out there. It's not all of your division unless you meet the in-region rec- rules. The second thing you said plus, there, what, what do you say? I would say also plus there's a, you know some teams that scheduled teams that are maybe in their provisional state of right. becoming a Division three member. Right, good point. Um, another thing you said was it wasn't in – the SOS metric system with the win-loss was not endorsed by the NCAA – but somehow it came to the committees, as we understand it, from the NCAA. And it was at least, I'll use the term, backed up by elements of the NCAA who at least were questioned about it by the committee in the past. At least that's what we've been told. How, so if, if it wasn't truly endorsed by the NCAA, my question is, how did it get down the road this far? And, 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 and while I agree with you, a course correction made some sense because I think in a lot of ways we started to see it being used maybe too much, as you pointed out, and I think sure. un, maybe unfairly, as you have pointed out. Um, how did we get this far down the road, though, without the NCAA saying something sooner? And by the way, the NCAA, I should say, is those in the NDA office who are supposed to administer everything. Most times I don't mean that. I don't. I want people to understand. Usually, when I meant NCA, I do mean the membership. But in this case, I actually do mean Indianapolis. Yeah, I mean, I I don't have a great answer for that because it, this thing started before I was even right. part of this committee. I should have prefaced um, that. Yes. Yeah, it, it just seems like this is what started years ago. I'm not sure. If, you know, it seemed like it was anywhere from five to eight years. 
I'm not sure if it's just passed down. Um, but we also have a new um, liaison from NCAA, Alex Mortarlero, who's doing a great job with us. He's in his second year on the committee. And when we met as a committee this summer, you know, we had people from uh, championships and selections come in and talk to us. And we had mentioned that metric. And, you know, it was a lot of people were, you know, gets bewildered about how that started. So, you know, it was basically saying, look, we need to stick to the criteria, you know, um, as far as we look, we, we, we talked to the NCAA stats department um, since then, and nobody can reinforce this or back this up. There is no hmm. set number to make this. So I'm not, we're not really sure, um, you know, about this. I'm, That's I'm interesting. Not sure I mean, yeah, I'm not sure if it was just because some of these conference calls went too long and they wanted some type of number just to make it move move along. Well, Maybe no, that happened. As we got told, it, it came from somewhat the NCA. You mentioned NCA stats. That's who I told was told backed it up. And maybe, and I'm I'm spitballing here. Maybe five, six, whatever years ago when it came out, it did get backed up. But now that yeah, schedules have did. changed and 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 the way teams have put schedules together, they can't back up that data as being as solid anymore because. Everything's changed, and, and and I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm spitballing yeah. a little bit, um. But we got to you know we're talking about you know UW Oshkosh from a number of years ago probably doesn't make the NCAA tournament at all nowadays because uh, 17 and 10 with a gaudy SOS isn't going to stand out as much because you can't do that metrical shift. I assume right. as a result you've already seen how this has resulted in maybe teams with strong win losses but not strong SOS numbers are in maybe better, quote-unquote, positions than they were in the past. Yeah, and I think, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, there's now I feel like for some of these schools, um, again, not to say we are emphasizing one of the criteria right. over the other. Um, I think, if anything, with the, the pass, with the .03 equals two games, those teams with a, a higher SOS were kind of maybe getting double rewarded um, because of the high SOS, and then you, you know, they would switch, you know, the record, you know, and some of these like fictitious uh, virtual wins and virtual losses, yeah. uh, impacting impacting the records, and it seemed like it was accepted um, in the coaching community. But you know, talking to Racks and talking to the committee, you know, this past week it was just like, I think a lot of coaches were on board with this. I, I know there's some coaches that would probably say SOS wins the day, and that's the most important thing, and if that if that team had to play an SCAC schedule or they had to play a CCIW schedule, um, they wouldn't be that good of a team. And you know, same thing if you're talking about UCF football and playing in the SEC and how they would fare. Uh, but we can't penalize a team because of you know where they where they're affiliated with and what conference they're in, and they're playing the schedules that they have in front of them. You know, what they can control is their non-conference schedule. Um, and we just really keep encouraging coaches. And the, you know, I, I really feel like, it, you know, we talked about parity in Division III. Um, men's basketball in the last couple of years has been amazing. And you look at our Final Four last year, uh, three of those teams not even being ranked and, you know, coming in and, and, you know, making it to the Final Four. It's great. And I really hope uh, coaches have realized this and they're, they continue to schedule tough games out of region uh, because they do, they do matter. We should point out, we don't talk about this metric on the women's side because best we understand it, the women have never used it. They were aware of it, but just didn't use it to the same degree that the men did. At least everything we've been able to sleuth, as it were, or hashtag glean. Um, something else, Sam, if I'm out of place on this, duck and run. But I also find it interesting that are the last few chairs that we've had, all good, 
have come, though, from bigger conferences or conferences that do have teams who end up with really strong SOS numbers because their conferences are good. You know, the MIAA, the, the NUMAC, the Centennial, the ODAC. You mention a lot of these. Centennial maybe isn't totally in that conversation, but it's pretty close. The, that, that vantage point can be understood. You come from a smaller conference, and, and to be ar- arguably one of the lower conferences in terms of strength in Division Three. You've seen it up close when Lancaster Bible you know, was, was very worrisome that they weren't going to make the tournament with just a single loss on the season. They luckily made it in and, and represented themselves well. But you come from a different perspective. Does that help? You certainly didn't advocate for the change, but does that help you understand the change better, maybe? Um, yeah, I think, of course, we understand that the stand, um, you know, the plight that some of these teams face of a lower SOS because of, you know, for example, the conference that Gallaudet plays in. But that, that plays no role in, in selections and criteria oh, sure. whatsoever. Just, you know? No, I don't mean to say um, that. I just mean to say yeah. that that you can understand, you made a comment saying, you know, these conferences, these teams sometimes don't have the ability to kind of get out of the conference way or get the conference out of their way, for lack of a better description, sure. that you can appreciate that more than maybe others can who have been in those scenarios where their teams always have good SOSs. Yeah, and, you know, even, I guess it was 2010, 2011 here at Gallaudet, our women's team, you know, was our first year in the NEAC and, you know, it was, for them, the strength of schedule wasn't there for them, but they had scheduled a top 15 team in their um, Thanksgiving tournament, and they beat them. Mm-hmm. And that played a huge role for them to get the at-large pick because we lost in the championship of a conference right. tournament. Um, so, yes, you know, I, I, to me, I, I think we're doing a disservice to the game of basketball if we're, if we're not, you know, if we're trying to tell certain conferences or certain teams, you know, it doesn't matter how many games you win, you're not going to have a shot. Um, yeah. You know, luckily, you know, there are um, right now the 42 AQ, AQ bids, and, and there's a great opportunity for 42 teams to make the tournament through their conference um, by winning that. But I still think, you know, if you know, in case of the Lancaster Bible that we always like to bring up, you know, if you go 26 and 1, um, you know, hopefully there's still a chance for you to get to the table. Uh, but then again, it's not you know we're not going to say just because you have 26 wins, oh, that sure. you automatic, automatically get you're one of the top 20 at large teams. Yeah. Um, for example, for this year, but to me, you know, I think, you know, I, I just think it for the game of basketball too and Division Three athletics. You know, I think we, you know, we're doing a disservice if we're, you know just ruling out certain teams just because yeah. of, a, of a weak conference. Yeah, by the way, Lancaster Bible had some other challenges. They only had one other team that was regionally ranked, uh, a win yeah. over Franklin and Marshall. Let's not – Let's not. I certainly don't want to make them a poster child in the wrong sense, but um, they, they had other issues besides just an SOS problem uh, that contributed there, but I digress. Um, before we let you go, Sam, anything else that came out of what these uh, – what have been mock selections heading into your first selections – or rankings of the year that that you want to make sure that the uh, audience at home understands. Um, you know, I, I think I think some people, you know, we'll see how this week goes. And of course, you know, it, it's always very uh, fluid. Right now, it's, it's wins and losses and and day to day. But you know, I think some people might scratch their head when they see uh, the rankings next week if a certain team is off there because of one criteria over the other. But I I, I would like to emphasize again. For people looking at the rankings, to look at all the criteria and look at the complete resume of the team, 
not just look at the win-loss or just look at the SOS. There, there's more to it. Yes, thank you, sir. I can't preach that one enough myself. Uh, I completely agree. Um, I thank you for your time. We could talk forever. I know we'll talk off air in the future, and we'll try and pass on whatever the committee has for notes, and we hope to talk to you. Um, if we're lucky between now and the next 25 days, if not, we look forward to talking to you in about 26 days once that bracket's out and you and I are, are beyond sleep deprived. Yeah, Dave, it's only uh, 63,000 minutes until we crown a champion in Fort Wayne. You, so, uh... you would do the math, wouldn't you? <laughs> but hey, uh, if, if I can put my Gallaudet cap on for a second, uh, I would like to thank the, the bas- E3 basketball community for their outpouring of support uh, to the men's basketball program here at Gallaudet. Uh, the last two weeks with the passing of our assistant coach, John Perry, and uh, we appreciate the shout-out from you, Dave, on your show. Um, also, I just wanted to follow up real fast, if possible, on the excellent final word shared by Yoshiva men's basketball coach, Elliot Steinmetz, uh, about tolerance and coexisting and being accepting, uh, which I completely agree with, uh, because unfortunately here at Gallaudet, the nation's deaf and hard-of-hearing university, our students and coaches still face some forms of discrimination uh, lack of communication access when playing on the road or from visiting fans. And just want to remind everyone that our student-athletes and coaches are just like anyone else. Uh, they just can't hear. So just hoping more and more people who have not interacted with someone who's deaf or hard of hearing would be more patient, accepting, and helpful. So thank you, Dave. You, absolutely, sir. You actually took uh, something from me because I was going to mention a, a, a fan of the show, Jay, said, Dave, when Sam Atkinson comes on, let me know. Uh, let him know that we have John Perry, his family, and the wonderful Gallaudet community at large in our prayers. I heard the service was beautiful. Rest in peace, John. So someone actually, one of our fans of the show, uh, wanted to be sure that we mentioned that as well to you. So, uh, Thank you, Dave. I, I knew John a little bit when I'd seen him. You heard my words. I don't think I could repeat them without uh, losing it again. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, final thoughts, or did you want to leave it on that? Um, the only final thought is, you know, people, if they're looking to plan their trip to Fort Wayne, uh, you can go to muspartans.com. That's Manchester University. Uh, they're one of the hosts for the Division Three Men's Basketball Championship, which will be March 15th and 16th. But uh, muspartans.com slash NCAA for ticket information and anything Fort Wayne. And here's a cool thing, Dave. Oh. On February 25th in the town of Fort Wayne, uh, on selection uh, Monday, when the tournament selection goes out, they're going to paint the town blue. Uh, they're going to light up different buildings blue um, in anticipation of the Division Three Men's Basketball Championship coming to Fort Wayne and media attention and, and, and the like. So uh, the people out there are really excited. And like we mentioned, uh, 25 days until the brackets come out and 44 days until the championship. <laughs> uh, we should probably be glad that the, the trend of purple teams winning championships is over. Otherwise, we'd have to tell them to paint the town purple. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> and that it's not football, which is already still painting purple. Right. Uh, Sam, thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk soon. Take care, and we'll and uh, well, enjoy the experience. I know you will, but uh, tell everybody uh, to enjoy it as well. Thanks, Dave. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. Take care, sir. Sam Atkinson joining us here on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, again, quick note, uh, all the interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline are courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software. Is your college ready to showcase its teams through reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget? Blue Frame's advanced digital broadcast tools will help take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting www.blueframetech.com and tell them I sent you. Tell them I sent you. Um, it, it would be very helpful if you could do that. Um, 
By the way, to, back to Sam's point, he clearly has been listening to most of the show today. Uh, some nice drop-ins there. The SOS win-loss is a different conversation now. And much as we trumpeted the fact that that metric was being used, I'm actually kind of glad it's taking a back seat. It felt like it had gotten overused. I think we had conversations last year and they are large selections where I started having an uneasy feeling about that number, uh, about that metric. I had an uneasy feeling about Oshkosh being picked a couple years ago. It'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And a reminder, next regional rankings will not feature results versus regionally ranked opponents. But I, I echo Sam's point. Look at the entire resume. Going to take another break when we come back. Jump into some women's basketball with Trevor um, Woodruff, Scranton women's basketball coach. Some of you going, well, didn't you have him on the show before? We did. And then we screwed up the interview and nobody heard it. And apparently anybody listening didn't realize we weren't talking to Trevor earlier. They were listening to an interview that had aired earlier in the show. We got Trevor back on the line to talk to him. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops when we come back. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. It's on us. It's on all of us and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I'm Carol LaHaye, basketball coach at Randolph-Macon College and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, back to Dave. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Thank you for tuning in as we uh, approach our, uh, or to seven hours down, we got one more hour scheduled that will go a little long. I can promise you that as happy hour will tip up. We'll probably go until no later than 
uh, 9 o'clock this evening, Eastern Time. Still ahead, Jim Haney, uh, basketball uh, head of officials um, for Division Three men's basketball, will join us. Uh, and then we'll get into the happy hour from there. Um, so we've had Trevor Woodruff from Scranton on before. Uh, we had a wonderful conversation with him, chatted with a lot about uh, the team and, and what was going on. We had just found out that they unfortunately had had an injury of one of their key players and how is that going to play out. Um, really a great conversation. Um, nobody heard it. They saw my lips moving. Uh, they saw a beautiful picture of Trevor. Nobody heard it. The reason you didn't hear it was because I made a goof and ran another interview earlier in the show, and no one noticed, apparently, that it didn't make any sense to Scranton basketball. Well, we've decided to make amends. Uh, we don't usually bring guests back immediately or, or in the near future because we want to give everybody a chance, but when you make a screw-up like that, you got to make good on it, and Trevor, in being good spirits about it, has agreed to join us once again. This time, we can say that he's on a the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. So some things have changed. And, Trevor, thanks for taking the time, sir. You bet. And keep saying I have a beautiful picture, and I'll come on anytime. Yeah. There we go. All right, so you got a beautiful picture. <laughs> um, of course, the only thing that has changed is you're no longer undefeated. Uh, Elizabeth Down yeah. tripped you guys up. You're now 19-1 and overall, 8-1 and uh, in the uh, conference. You were third when we talked to you, or when I talked to you. <laughs> Um, a few weeks back, you're now seventh in the country. Elizabethtown, though, gotcha. Um, what's what, what, how's the season gone, though? We'll get to maybe the, the the recent results in a moment, but how's the season gone from your your vantage point now? In what your fourth season? Yeah, year four, and it's it's really been um, a challenging year. We, you know, like most teams, you expect there to be some highs and lows and difficulties as you go go through a four or five month journey with a group of college kids uh but this year has has been even a little bit more uh difficult just dealing with all the things that that you normally do but maybe just on a a little bit more consistent basis injuries and sickness and um starting all the way back in the preseason we lost we have two seniors we lost one of them uh in the preseason with a knee injury her second uh since since she transferred in and um, and then, you know, that kind of just set the tone. We, we've been trying to get healthy the entire season, and hopefully we will before it's over. Um, you meant, um, one of your top players was banged up um, a little bit when we talked. She had just suffered an yeah. injury, missed a few games since then. Bridget Mann is who we're talking about. Yeah. Is she back on the team? I got a little confused with some of the reports from your, from your fans on whether she was back, whether she was back at full strength or, or whatnot. Um. She is not back playing. She's, okay. um, you know, she's had a rough goal of it. Bridget's, I think most people who follow Division Three basketball, women's basketball, are familiar with her. Um, she's she's been around for four years, been a very good player for four years, and preseason All-American and all those things, regional player of the year last year. But it's been a really tough year for her. She's, she's missed uh, basically half the season with two different injuries. Mm. Um, and now she's, she's still – fighting to get back. I think we're, you know, we're a little ways away from her being back full speed, but uh, we're optimistic that we could hopefully get her back before the conference tournament. Sure. Uh, she's an important factor. Uh, we should point out in the 12 games that she's now played, 13 and a half points, which is second on the team. Mackenzie Mason um, is first on the team at just a shade over 13 and a half points. So she's also pulling down seven and a half rebounds. Um, but you've got a lot of pieces to this team. Um, they certainly are 
talented besides Bridget Mann, but they're also being tested because of those injuries, which could come back to be a benefit down the road. Yeah, we think so, and that's how we've tried to frame it for our group. Um, you know, we're, we've been forced to play some younger kids. We've been forced to move kids around to, to different positions, which, you know, you never know when you might need to do it again. So a lot of positives uh, can come out of it if you approach it the right way, I think. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you have an All-American, you'd much rather have her on the court and not have to learn those other lessons. Yeah, fair. Uh, <laughs> I, I agree with that. By the way, she's the only senior. Um, that's that's so, right. Well, we have two, but now they're both they're both right. out. Um, we so are we are a young team. Warning to everybody: this team comes back is what I'm basically getting <laughs> at. Uh, this is not just a one, you know. Not well. You've had very good, consistent uh, play up until this point, um, yeah. and so it's it, we shouldn't expect a, a, a step back. But it's the fact that you're doing this with basically one senior uh, in Bridget Mann, and though she's only played now 12 games, uh, it certainly speaks a lot. Let's fast forward, though. You got that Elizabeth game, Elizabeth Town game. I always forget to add the uh, town part of that. Um, what happened in, in that scenario? And, and is it one of those scenarios also where it, it, it's bound to happen in a season? Going undefeated, it's hard. Well, that's certainly true. I think if you look across the country, all genders, all levels, there are very few teams that are able to run the table. Um, but I think it's as simple as we played against an excellent team, who played very, very well that day, and who has continued to play well. They, they you know, had a huge win last night um, on the road at Catholic and won by almost 40 points. So they're really playing well. Um, and, you know, situation to compound it, you know, we've got some sickness and things. So um, our margin for error was pretty thin. Uh, we made a lot of mistakes. They took advantage of it. And, you know, in some cases you can play less than your best and get away with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but they were terrific, and uh, there was just no way we were going to be able to <laughs> to play poorly and beat them. And they deserved it. You know, you got to tip your hat. They were terrific. Uh, you got right back off the schneid, though. A couple of days later against Susquehanna, won that one 70-42. But what was interesting is you lost that one at home, something you and I talked about. Uh, on the last one was how much your home court has changed, a huge kind of renovation of the of the court a little bit, and that you guys are kind of getting used to it to some degree. Yeah, well, they, I mean, they've done a little bit of work for us. Um, I kid my athletic director. Uh, I think we spent fourteen million on an uh, outdoor complex for baseball yes. and softball, <laughs> and then I, I said, so we got fourteen million for them and fourteen hundred for us. So that doesn't seem fair, but uh, they are they are working on it. It's a tremendous facility. We're so lucky to have the Long Center. Uh, so much history and tradition. I, I think you can feel it when you walk in the place. And um, as we move forward and do even more renovation, hopefully, uh, I hope we can keep the feel that the place has because even as an opposing coach who used to come in here to play against Scranton, it was always a, a you know a special feeling that you don't get everywhere. Yeah. It always felt like a big game when we played here. So I hope we don't lose that as, as more renovations come down the road. Um, what's the biggest change maybe that they've, they've done that, that even you walking in goes, wait, wait a minute? <laughs> yeah. Well, so far it's been you know just some kind of superficial stuff, new bleachers, and uh, they kind of stripped the place and painted it from the ceiling down so it's brightened the place up. And we're in the process of getting all new banners, which at Scranton they've been so, so good at on both sides. For so long, there's a lot of uh, tradition that you want to show off, and so there's some new banners coming. And uh, right now, just kind of some 
some basic things. I think uh, down the road we'll see some, hopefully, some renovations to our lobby and our auxiliary gym and our locker space and things like that. So just getting started with it, I hope. You told me uh, all the championship banners were down um, to kind of go with the renovation and how that used to be a cool little uh, uh, reminder to people who exactly they were playing when they walked (laughs) in the door. Uh, yeah. They're not assuming back up yet. <laughs> no, they're not up yet. Uh, <laughs> it's. I always thought, again, as an opposing guy coming in here, and you stand there and and uh, you do the national anthem and you look around and you see the final fours and the thirty something conference titles and you know I, to me that always meant something. It meant you were playing against a really good program that you could measure yourself against. Um, and so I, you know, I'm looking forward to when we get the new stuff back up and um, that tradition is right there for everybody to see. Um, so let's talk about what's next. You've got a couple tough road, or really um, three of the next five to finish off the season before the tournament are going to be on the road. Uh, yep. You got the long haul to Catholic coming up here this weekend. Um, you got a, lo- a shorter trip to Moravian, then you got a home against Juniata and Drew, um, and then you got a. Well, we can talk about the last game in a minute, but um, <laughs> you know this this isn't the easy part, to be honest. While the teams may not be at at the same strength they've been in the past, you've got some tough trips ahead of you in conference play. Oh, no question. I you know, I think everybody would tell you their league's really good, and I'm no different. I, I think our league is terrific, and there aren't uh, you know a whole lot of nights off. I think Elizabethtown showed uh, the other day that you know, we've got to play well to beat everybody in this league um, from top to bottom. Uh, excellent coaches, tremendous players, and so uh, there's a huge challenge ahead of us. And you know, you get to this time of year, you also start to you know see some teams who are fighting for their life in terms of uh, playoff seating and can they get in, Where can they get a home game. So everything is just magnified. Um, you know, so I expect us, we've got, uh, I think, five games left. They're going to all be, you know, dogfights, and we've got we've to come ready to, pl- ready to play and be at or near our best. Your trip to Juniata, did you guys not kind of have to augment that game a little bit because of the weather? Yeah, we did. We tried to to be a little bit proactive and then the governor actually, you know, made it somewhat easier. We, we traveled out on Friday, which we don't usually do for that game. Uh, so we stayed Friday night and then the governor shut the roads down, the interstate down to, um, commercial traffic on Saturday at noon. So when you're on a coach bus, that's considered, um, you know, that fell under the umbrella. So we didn't have the choice to come back Saturday after the game. Mm. We stayed a second night and came back Sunday. And Huntington's a beautiful town. Yeah, listen, um, yeah, nothing against Juniata, but they, yeah, that's not the best option. Well, I'll tell you what, the people were great. The hotel was nice. Um, and we won. So if we had <laughs> lost, either the men's or women's team had lost, it may have made it worse. <laughs> the one, The one snag was... Uh, Virginia was playing Duke that night ah. uh, on ESPN. So it's, you know, we're sitting in the lobby and everybody's kind of hanging out, getting to start the game, watching the game. It's just like you're at home. And then ESPN went out with the weather. Oh, no. And so that didn't help. But if, no. that's the worst, if that's the worst thing that happens to us this year, then we had it pretty good. Hey, put the two teams in the lobby and recreate how you think the game was going to happen. <laughs> there you that's, go. That's what you do. 
Um, by the way, the last game, if you guys want to save the legs, save the travel, not yeah. want to be weary coming down to Baltimore that last weekend, yeah. I totally understand staying home. Um, you don't need to come down to the Gopher Dome yeah. in any way, shape, or form. Please take well, the, take, get ready for the tournament. It's more important. I, I, you know, we talked about this last time, and it's the the same two things apply. One, um, Andrea is doing a tremendous job, yeah. as you know, mm-hmm. and so that's a great game for us to play. She, no, it's she's not. Really no. doing an excellent job. <laughs> and the second thing, I always like to come down and see the statue of you that they put out front. Oh, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> that they have not. Uh, you nor- got to donate more money, and they will. Yeah, a lot more money. <laughs> I'm barely donating to begin with. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's outstanding. That's better than the one you had and the one that nobody heard. That's awesome. Um, well, good luck. Uh, I, I'm fascinated by this team because Trevor, you've now won over 100 games there. Oh, and that was the question I didn't. I asked last time. Have you fully adjusted to the women's game because you were pretty successful as a men's coach? I, I said to a lot of people, your hiring kind of caught everybody uh, out of the blue a little bit because I don't think we realized that you would be interested in switching genders. You, you're now there four years. You, you settled in. Now you, you know, it's truly your your team. Have you settled into the into the women's game though? I feel like I have. I, um, you know, I, I not much has changed. We've talked about that before. I still kind of um, do our business the same way, and a lot of the same challenges. That that doesn't change. You're still dealing with eighteen to twenty two year olds, and mm-hmm. and the you know the difficulties that they face in trying to help them develop through those and so i feel really good about it. I, I i'm proud of what we've been able to accomplish i think obviously we inherited a good thing yes and we didn't take a step backwards we've, we've been able to keep it rolling and you know as long as coach strong is happy with the job i'm doing <laughs> then i then i feel like i'm doing okay and he's been tremendous to me uh personally and professionally and and so i i just want to keep this thing rolling um, do the best job I can for our for our girls, and hopefully at the end of the day, everybody can be proud of the product that we put out there. Sure. Really impressive. I um, appreciate your time, especially the second go-around. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing how the, the team does, not only in the conference tournament, but obviously onto the NCAA tournament as well, maybe a, a number of games at the Long Center uh, as well. As always, we give the uh, guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those maybe tuning in? Yeah, a couple things. As always, I want to thank you, Dave. The job you guys do is second to none and uh, probably underappreciated, but not but not here in Scranton. We really do uh, appreciate what you do. And secondly, I know I mentioned it last time. I'll say it again. Um, I always forget to thank my wife, and she is <laughs> she is tremendous at what she does. She makes my life work, and I know there's a lot of other coaching wives and husbands out there who, who make the thing work for people like me to do what I do. So, um, she's probably chasing two kids around and not listening, but <laughs> honey, I love you. Thanks for everything. And uh, I'll be home soon. It's apropos. You mentioned that because my wife made sure I had dinner tonight. Uh, <laughs> and so it happens with broadcasters too. She's upstairs probably chasing the kids around too. I know it's not their bedtime yet. They may be listening cause they're infatuated with this show. Um, well, so thank I, your wife too. Yeah, I will thank her as well as I always do on this marathon show. So it seemed apropos you brought that back up. Hey, uh, good luck the rest of the way. Look forward to talking to you down the road, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Keep up the great work and take care. Thank you, Trevor. You too. Okay. Trevor Woodruff uh, joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Really appreciate his time. Again, we screwed up the original interview, and I and I what I really feel bad was we had some great little moments. We kind of recreated with that. It's hard to recreate an interview a second time. Um, it's why I believe in in not 
um, kind of having practice interviews, if that makes any sense. I like just doing an interview and going with it. I also like going live if we pre-recorded with Daniel Downingue. We didn't we didn't uh, edit any of that. I, I like the natural uh, flow to an interview. I like what we get to the table. It's my duty to keep it on time. Um, so it's nice to have Trevor back on. We had a great interview that time. I'm glad you could at least hear from him this time. A little inside note, though. Last time he had barely any voice left from the night before his game. Uh, this time he at least has some voice back, so you got to hear him a little bit better. I have a feeling they're going to be playing a lot of NCAA tournament games at Scranton on the women's side. Uh, very likely you're to get to Salem, Virginia in women's basketball, uh, at least one quadrant is going to have to go through Scranton, Pennsylvania, and that makes – the Royals very difficult, very difficult to beat. Uh, I'll be fascinated to see how that all plays out. Gordon had some thoughts on it um, on the on the landmark board that I agreed with. That I think very easily a NESCAC team could be having to be forced to go to Scranton. That's advantage Scranton. Going to take a break when we come back. Jim Haney, the head of officials for Division Three, will join us. Fascinated to get his take on what has now been his job for a year and a half. How much has changed? How much has he been able to change? How much is moving in the right direction, and more. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We'll be back with more of the show when we come back. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division Three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked a top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student-athletes. UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of what you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org.
Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we get going here in the uh, eighth hour of the show, we've gotten seven hours plus under our belts. Appreciate you tuning in. We still got the happy hour ahead. Our last scheduled guest is up next. So I guess Trevor Woodruff was our penultimate guest. Um, we're going to talk men's basketball a little bit from the officiating point of view in a moment. In the meantime, if you got questions for him, got questions for me, got questions for our guests when they come on the uh, happy hour segment, you can um, tweet them, Hoopsville. It's at D3Hoopsville is your, is your uh, Twitter account, hashtag Hoopsville. And you can email them. Um, Dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com is what we're using. It's on the bottom of your screen. Of course, on Facebook at Facebook.com. We also have chats um, either via the chat room on YouTube or the chat room on the Facebook stream, which, by the way, has been going the entire time. Um, we're enjoying that as well. So lots of ways to communicate with us. Uh, I know that Ryan Scott will definitely be a part of the happy hour. We've reached out to several others of, of the of the group. We'll see who joins us as we probably will have about an hour plus time of happy hour to chat. But in the meantime, for over a year and a half now, we have had an official uh, head of officiating in Division Three. We have not had a chance to talk on the women's side much about it, and we hope to allevi alleviate that sometime in the near future. But on the men's side, Jim Haney has been more than accommodating, both in my annoying emails on occasion about things, but also um, he came out to the D3Hoops.com Classic in Las Vegas this year and, and took in the officiating, which isn't totally D3-centric, but it's still important for his work at the NCAA. And I already know from talking to our good friend Jeff Burns that he will be down um, uh, at Randolph-Macon this weekend for a game. He gets around to, to visit games around the country. He watches them online. He does a lot of work. I'm warning you now, there is no graphic for him because apparently I went and lost the picture. So you're just going to have to trust that Jim is here. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the aforementioned Jim Haney. And, sir, thank you for taking the time to joining us this evening. David, glad to be a part of this show. I appreciate it tremendously. Um, again... Um, you know, we got to see you in Las Vegas. Uh, it was great to see you. Um, I found it interesting that you were there because I, I didn't, to some degree, I was a little surprised that that would be an, uh, a job that would interest you, for lack of a better description. What did you get out of it all? The important part for me is to go to various parts of the country and spend time not only watching officiating, but talking to different coaches from different leagues and different locales. And that was an opportunity to see eight coaches from eight regions, basically, and take 10 or 15 minutes and, and get their pulse on what's going on in their league and their conference and in their area and uh, from an officiating standpoint. That's fascinating. What was their overall generic take then about – uh, officiating from, from their point of view in their regions? They are very thankful and, and, and willing to work with me to get accountability up to where it needs to be uh, from a standpoint of supervisors, officials, and everybody, and, and just to have somebody to talk to, to have dialogue with, about goods and bads is, is they've never had that. And it's a terrific opportunity for me. It's a terrific opportunity for the NABC and, and for all of us to make our game better. It's um, what I find interesting about it was because at first I'm thinking, well, you know, Jim, 
I don't want to mention this to you because I really want you out there, but we don't really have a lot of D3 officials at this event. Um, do I mention it to Jim? Do I not? And then I thought to myself, you know, no, he's probably, he, he knows what he's doing. He's going to know who's, who's assigned out there. You still, though, evaluated them. And I never asked you this, but I, I assume that not only is it valuable for you, but it's valuable for your colleagues at Division One and Two to have those kinds of reports uh, as well, even if it's not Division One and Two games. We, this year, instituted for the first time the same online program that Division One is using to hmm. evaluate officials. I started it this year. John Blazik hasn't done a lot of it yet at D2. He's starting to do it. But I have put in probably 140, evalu- 150 evaluations of guys that I have seen. And yes, it is valuable because now we are building a database uh, on an official and uh, uh, just an example, J.D. Collins was watching the game the other day. He watched the Army-Navy game, and he went in and put an evaluation in on one of the officials, and his email to me was, Jimmy, I saw uh, in the evaluation system you had seen this guy. I looked and thought that this would be a pretty good candidate for your tournament, and I see you, that's what you put down. So it was interesting that he noticed right away the evaluation on, on an official. Should I take from that then that the the officials for our Division Three tournament don't necessarily have to be Division Three officials who have worked Division Three games? They can just be darn right good officials. No, they have to. There is some eligibility that we okay. also, for the first time this year, have put in um, for our tournament. Um, as far as watching videos and test scores and attending clinics working a minimum of five league games or 10 overall games across divisions. Okay. So a conference tournament, being recommended for a conference tournament. So we have put a lot of eligibility stuff in to stop what was perceived as the good old boy network where a guy would work yeah. one game and all of a sudden he'd be at, at the – Salem, Virginia for the semifinals. Yeah, you and I have talked about that quite a bit, or maybe working a game they shouldn't because they didn't they didn't rate out either. Correct. Um, you've been on the job, what's about a year and a half is about where I've got it tabulated. We saw a lot of your impact at the tournament last year as we expected. Maybe not as much during the whole run of the tournament, but certainly the the officials we A saw repeat themselves, which was a new thing, meaning they were on more than just one game in the entire tournament. And we saw a mixture and, and, and different makeup of officials at the championship weekend. How did that first year, as it were, get go for you? As Obviously, you kind of came in kind of <laughs> running already. You didn't get much of a chance to jog. Um, I, I thought it went very well. It, it, it shed a light on, for me, what needed to be corrected. Mm. And it gave me some impetus this year. Um, with Alex Mortelaro, who runs mm-hmm. the championship committee, who's been terrific to work with. And it, it, it's given me plenty of thought because this year, the entire tournament, I will be assigning from day one to the final game. It is mine. It is no longer on a supervisor. Yes, they will have recommend, recommendations sure. and people that they've sent in, but as far as who goes and how many they work, it's me. So 
this is a whole new era. We're going to try to do the best we can. I am actually going to Indianapolis um, for selection weekend, and I am going to sit in a room by myself, and once the selections are made, Alex and I are going to take a list of officials, and we are going to plot out the tournament. Wow. First off, um, poor Alex. Uh, he, he's now added some work to his to his plate, um, but I applaud it. Um, now, now we got to get the committee chair. Hey, Sam, you listening? Got to get him out there to Indy just to at least keep you from being in an empty room. Sam is going to be there. I'm just being a little tongue-in-cheek, but I'm looking. Can I be there? Can I join you guys? (laughs) You want to come sit and join? There's there's going to be plenty of opportunities to to, to get information. I can tell you that. Um, I would be, you know what, I might be interested in having you on our bracket show the following Monday after I've done my my duties, I assume, with the NCAA myself. Um, What has changed the most? What, What can... Either listen, coaches probably are more aware of it, and it's because it's inside baseball to some degree. But what can fans notice about the work you've been doing in the last year and a half, or is it hard to see what you've been doing? Well, it's it's hard to see from a, a fan perspective, but what you're starting to notice is a little bit at a time the effort, the accountability the mechanics, the things, the directives, they're all a little more in the forefront than they used to be. They now know that I'm on synergy, and if if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you might get a report the next day that says unsatisfactory. And there's been a few of those, and it's gotten some people's attention. And when I go to a gym and I get to talk to a coach and I get to find out a little bit about what the supervisor's doing, I can find out about is he doing the right thing or do I need to get on him a little bit about correcting some things. And it, it, the accountability thing is so much better now this year than it was last year because, uh, as you said, when I came in, I had nothing. I didn't know anything. And Alex came in two months later, and him and I were just shooting and shooting <laughs> and shooting, and we were hoping to hit something. And we hit the final semifinals and final game the way I wanted it refereed, the way I wanted the picture to be painted with 10 guys that were terrific at at the effort they gave. And they weren't perfect, but they were terrific. They were absolutely terrific at what they did and and how important it was for them. And year two, I want to do the same thing. And, and, And I want to make it even better now, the start of the tournament, as opposed to last year where I didn't have control of it. Sure. And I'm going to this year. You, you That's fascinating that you say that because, I mean, listen, I, the one thing that is a constant as a broadcaster is constantly hearing people complain about officiating. It drives me insane because nine, 95% of the time they are dead wrong. Um, but something that I found in my interactions with you, both in Vegas, uh, on the phone, via email, uh, is sometimes it's changing my perception a little bit. I, I'm I'm pretty fair, I think, when it comes to officiating, but I think I know the rules. I certainly don't know them as an official. But sometimes I remember you made a couple comments in Vegas, and I went, oh, okay, see, I saw that differently, and now I'm realizing I'm seeing it wrong or incorrectly or whatever the case may be. Um, you saying that they, those 10 worked a, a really good tournament. How much is are you spending telling coaching staffs, hey, your perception – isn't accurate or your point of view on that rule is not accurate. It's actually supposed to be this and maybe changing their, 
their perspectives to understand that the officiating isn't as bad as they complain or think about. Well, again, from a in-season standpoint, it's very difficult for me to see every guy and every supervisor, and I've been trying to, to get around to different places. So the coaches, to open up and meet some of these coaches and to know that there is some open dialogue, because I tell them, first of all, if there's something that's glaringly wrong, you call me or you email me because I'm going to fix it, because I don't want something glaring wrong. If you find something you're really happy with and you like the trend that we're going and we can make it better, you also pick the phone up or call me. And then if you find somebody that is really in a good spot that deserves the opportunity to progress and you can put a name and a pencil on it and send it to me, I will promise you that I will get a look at him through somehow, some way. And if he deserves a chance and he's being held back, I will provide that opportunity for him somehow. Hmm. So there, there's a lot of things from a refereeing standpoint. We're always going to argue, Dave, about block oh. charges and arc plays. And sure. until we get review monitors and things at our level, we're always going to have the perception of referees with fans and, you know, sometimes coaches based upon the old guard. Yeah. But the new guard is, is on board big time. And then this new generation coming through is excited and they're willing to work and they most importantly for me they want feedback and that's so important because it'll make them better um a couple of things to unpack uh if you don't mind a couple of things i want to kind of throw at you um let's start with review uh some conferences have now mandated that some basic review be in place I've worked with schools that help put some review in place. It's both it can be both complicated and simple, depending on a lot of factors. Is there a is there coming a point that in the NCAA tournament, part of the hosting responsibilities is going to include you need to be able to provide comprehensive, to some degree, review of of things for at the table, or is and I don't know how far soon is, but is that is that in the future? You think? That's probably in the strategic plan, yes. What, what? I would say in the, in the three- to five-year, five- okay. to ten-year strategic plan, I'm sure that's going to be talked about at the National Committee because we're going to bring it up uh, about officiating that we would like that as part of to get the play right. Let's, if the wrong team loses based upon an official's decision and we have the ability to get the play right, then let's get the play right. So for the space, you know, for the help of the student athlete and the coach, I think in the strategic plan that will be part of this discussion. Uh, hopefully, I'm still involved in it, you know, when, when it comes yeah. in because I, I think eventually it will come in. Um, a lot of officials don't have tremendous experience with that. Some do. Some officiate at D1 with his review. Some do not. Is, is if review becomes some of that, somewhat of that mandate, are you going to have to also make sure then that your officials have enough training or experience of how to use that review? Yes, there will be some type of training, a webinar, um, something that a preseason clinic, a preseason meeting where a supervisor could Skype me in and we can have a webinar or we can have an uh, on-site demonstration by like DV Sport, which is the most expensive one of the, of the group, but uh, it's the one that is really easy to use as an official 
and accurate. So, yes, there will be some, absolutely some type of training. Speaking of which, got a question while we're chatting here. You know, we talk about officials improving and, and getting feedback and whatnot. You know, you still got complaints that some officials are a little bit on the, um, let's call it edgy side. Um, maybe not so people, people person or uh, uh, conversational. Uh, maybe stubborn. I'm trying to come up with some adjectives other than the ones that were used for me. Is there an effort to also talk to, to officials about, for lack of a better description, their behavior? As officials? Yes. Um, we are reminding them constantly about communication skills. And honestly, Dave, in this day and age, if I gave the coach a cell phone and I gave each official a cell phone and told them to communicate, they would text each other during the game because that's the way people, people talk today. If you're yeah. sitting next to somebody, you text them. And it would work better for me right now, honestly. But, but I can't do that. So I have to figure out a way to get them to talk to somebody person to person. Right? Look the guy in the eye and listen to him instead of looking down and at your screen and text something with emojis. So, yeah, yeah. But the communication skills are, are, are always going to be with the younger people, are always going to be an issue. Um, well, and to we get over the hurdle. I'll have to admit, some of the more stubborn ones, I think, are in the older generation. But I understand well, exactly what you're trying to say. Those, um, I can't ever change that. That's <laughs> not going to change, and that's not my deal. That's not the. That's not my my target. Sure. Target group. Uh, talking to a couple of officials, I know uh, I haven't seen one this season, and I made a comment to him, and he said, "Well, geez, you know how it is, Dave. Now I'm driving hundreds of miles to games, and." And listen, in my region, the Mid-Atlantic, which you're for, for certainly familiar with, the, the one person doing a lot of the conferences has allowed for more cross-pollination, which I've appreciated. But now co officials are going further away than they used to, which I'm also fine with to some extent because I think we need that cross-pollination. But does it also sometimes go too far and we need to find a, a nice, happy medium where, with maybe they don't go as far as often and it's okay to see teams uh, that they used to see often in the past? Yes, I agree. Okay. Uh, wouldn't have a problem with that at all. Um, but it's about guys, it's about finding the right medium, right? Yeah, it really is. It, 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 it's about these guys are doing this as an uh, you know as an advocation, and they have jobs, they have right. families, and young kids, and you know it's hard to take to, to travel three hundred miles right. from on a day to go from you know northern Virginia to upstate New York or wherever and have to get back for school the next day right. and see your kids and to do that more than one or two times a week is that's that's hard or you know there's got to be somewhere yeah. that you could there's plenty of schools in our geographic location footprint that you can go to right well I, i'll say i mean i don't mind i mean it used to be that i could go to to one two three four different colleges and and see one set of officials at each set of colleges and they never cross-pollinated. Now at least they're cross-pollinating, and I only see them a handful of times, which is disappointing because I like seeing the guys I know. But on the flip side of that, I also appreciate the fact that you also don't know the team and you can't have predisposed notions and the like. So uh, I like that. Um, another question regarding talking to the officials. I, I don't, it's not necessarily for you maybe, but if let's say there were some Division three officials who wanted to come out to Vegas and work that, is that something you would endorse? 
Uh, I've had this comment. I have well, I shouldn't comment is the wrong word. I've had this discussion okay. with Brett Seymour. Oh, have you? Oh, then my me, question to Brett is not going to be that surprising. Go ahead. <laughs> me possibly getting involved in oh. some of these tournaments and up, because one of the things that the coaches always say about when they go to Florida and yeah. when they go to Vegas mm-hmm. is they know that there's no D, D3 officiating there and sure. it becomes like a time warp. You yeah, it's a little different. You go into a time warp and, and you don't know what you're going to get sure. on a game-by-game basis. And um, I have been talked to about possibly taking people from my list of officials that I've approved for the national tournament Hmm. and taking that group of eight guys, or let's just say the ten guys from uh, Salem last year. Sure. Bring bring them as a reward to Vegas this, this Christmas and let them work that tournament. You know, put them up, give them a room, give yeah. them game fee per diem, whatever. Absolutely. Let them pay their flight to get there. And and no officials, by the payment. way, com- yeah, every official I've talked to said that I'm more than willing to pay my flights. Yeah, and that's fine. You know, maybe bring your family along yep. as a vacation. How about going to Miami for, for four days before Christmas? That's a great idea. To South Beach. Yeah, <laughs> I love that idea. And, and it's it's I floated it past... Brett, a little bit. I don't think he, he – we were going to talk a little bit more this year at Fort Wayne. I've talked to the guy at the Miami Hoop Hall um, about possibly doing the same thing. Oh, don't worry about that one. Just the Vegas one, Jim. Well, that's, they, don't, they run differently. <laughs> I know. Remember, they I'm, run differently. Oh, I know. I'm just being selfish. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I'm being selfish, too. Yes, you I'm are. I'm pretty it's... happy going to Miami in, 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 in December. <laughs> I don't blame you, sir. Um, I, I think that's a great idea. Uh, listen, man, you know, I the guys that I've been talking to in my neck of the woods haven't been to, to Salem. They're going to probably go, no, I want to go too. I'm sure we can find a way to make it work. But I, I thought it was a novel idea. I think, you know, they asked me that same question six years ago. I didn't think it was a chance. I think there's better chance now. And I, I certainly love the, the idea. Um, well, there's a, Brett, Dave, there's a better chance now because you have somebody that's watching people from across yeah. the country right? And that's, instead of just yeah. one region. Well, that's one of the reasons I think it's a better chance now. I also think it's a better chance because I think they also understand if I work those games, I can prove that maybe I'm a, a better official than what these games present me. And, and right. I can understand that perception. You're seeing them work, uh, let's be honest, a crap game because it's on a Monday or Tuesday night, and that's a game to work. I, I'm thrilled that we got an A team for it but they're not getting the best of games. Well, at least we can put them in front of a top 25 game instead. Let's see what you got. And I, I yeah. appreciate that point of view from them. Absolutely. How about the games in Vegas? We, how good of games did we see out oh. there? Were one possession, two possession games and coming down to the wire and all the decisions that had to be made by the yep. officials. Yep. How about if we get the best officials that I've seen from the previous NCAA tournament? And put them in those games. Hey, you do that. Coach is a little easier. Absolutely. You do that, and I'll even try and make sure we have review. And I mean that seriously. It's a, it's a chore for us because of the amount of gear we bring, but we'll try and make sure we've got review, too. There we go. There's an experiment right there. Absolutely. There's, that sounds like an experiment right away, a little test. Yeah. It, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be, it's a little bit of a chore on our end, but I'll find a way to make it work, and, and we'll see what we can do. Um, don't want to take too much more of your time, but a couple quick questions. Um, biggest um, changes in the year and a half that – have taken place for officials, and how do you think they've handled them? Uh, they've handled them terrific. The changes of uh, having an online 
evaluation system and getting feedback, whether I'm sitting in the stands or watching on film, has been great. Uh, the eligibility requirements, they now know all the eligibility requirements that were put in place, and they're watching all the videos. They're up to date on videos. They've done their homework. They've done all the stuff the right way, and it's, it's, we're on the upswing, I can tell you that. Well, that's, that's awesome. Uh, what are the biggest challenges that officials face right now in general? Uh, the challenges right now are still the, like you said, the travel, um, the getting still some of the opportunity. They're getting more opportunities to work in different areas, and that's still a little harder because I've got to get the supervisors to do a little bit more of, like you said, cross-pollinating, and I'm working on that. Um, and, you know, the, the the new thing for them, the big thing, which I don't know if you know or not, is as I'm going across the country, it's also my job to pick 50 to 60 D3 officials to staff the NCAA camps this summer. Really? Like the ne- Yes. The next generation officials camp that's going to be with the new guidelines, the the NCAA-sponsored camps, the four camps this summer, I am to pick 50 or 60 Division three officials, the new group, and we're going to put them in a, in a spot where they get evaluated. The, and D2 is doing the same thing. So we're going to Good. have 120 officials where guys are going to get opportunities to have their careers ascend. That's pretty impressive. I, I like that because um, otherwise sometimes it's just being at the right time at the right place. Right, and this is this is all different. This because of the new recruiting thing and the the, the the recruiting period that the NCAA, all the new rules they're putting in place. Um, the four camps that the NCAA is staffing, they're also we are also staffing the officials, and okay. we're taking the right guys. And wow, what a perfect opportunity for a young guy from Baltimore, Maryland, who's sitting there, who works the D three NCAA tournament, and I can now stick him in a camp in front of 20 Division One supervisors. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that kind of gets me to my next question. I know, personally, I've known of a few who have worked D1 um, and D3 and D and everything in between, D2 as well. Um, I actually saw one recently that I had been told had kind of thwarted his abilities to get to D1 for a lot of what he does antic-wise, and I thought he had a tremendous game in the game I saw him. I think maybe the message had been served. How much... Do these guys work above? The D3 guys, how much do they work above? Because I've always tried to say to people, listen, they actually are good officials. Just because they're in D3 doesn't mean they don't have experience. That's correct. There's a lot of guys. You go You go look. A lot of guys, specifically in our area, are working at the PSAC conference, um, the D2 conferences. They're working mid-majors for the Ivy Patriot, the America East. The, the MEAC, mm-hmm. they're they're working big South games. You might they might not work, you know, twenty games at the D one level, but I'm sure they're starting to get a handful. The good guys are starting to get a handful. So, and they're getting more upper level games. The games in the PSAC are brutal. They're yeah. hard. Huh. They're just I mean they're a notch below some of the D one games, and they're actually probably harder than some D one games based upon the athleticism that they have. Wow. So there, there's there's plenty of opportunities, and for all those people that say they only work D three, I wouldn't buy that at all. Yeah, I, I don't buy it anyway. That, that's just a usual complaint telling them how they're not 
good enough to be officials or work in D3 games. And my thought is, well, that guy worked a D1 game last week, but go ahead and think that. Um, I appreciate the time. I really do. Um, I would, should we do a bracket show with you and, and announce the uh, officials for all the uh, – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a little too too inside baseball, as they say. Uh, I always give the uh, guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those tuning in? We're doing the best we can. We have a strategic plan in place to make this level and our game better. And we are slowly and slowly moving forward. And there's been positive signs, and we will continue to push forward all the way through till we get it to where everybody's happy in every region, coaches, student-athletes, and officials. Well, it's come a long way in a short period of time. It was fun to see in Vegas. I love your idea about Vegas. If I can help facilitate that in any way, too, please let me know. Uh, In the meantime, have a a wonderful rest of the season. I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and we'll look forward to at least seeing you in Fort Wayne. I hope our paths cross before then at some little first first or second round game. That would be a lot of fun, too. Be glad to see you and talk to you again. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Take care, Jim, and we'll talk soon. All right, Dave, thank you. Jim Haney joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Our last chance to mention that all interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline are courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software. Is your college ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget? Blue Frame's advanced technology broad, uh, broadcast tools will help you will help take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting www.blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. And I kid you not, if you decide to, uh, to call them or visit them or decide to grab some of their um, opportunities, whether it's streaming, production truck software, whatever the case may be, please tell them you heard about it here, that I sent them uh, sent you to them. They'd be thrilled to hear that. I'd be thrilled that if you could do it. Again, Blue Frame Technology, our Hoopsville Hotline, sponsors we appreciate their time uh jim has the story that i repeat maybe too often certainly not enough on the show but to others he used to work division one quite a bit acc games especially he always talked about how in media timeouts at duke mike shashevsky and his staff had one plan one plan one plan when that first timeout took place they only didn't talk about strategy of the game they didn't talk about what's working what's not working they talked about how officials were calling the game because officials call games differently you just never know what you're going to run into how do you adjust to that I am amazed by how many teams do not adjust to officiating. Officiating is human, just as the players playing the game are human, just as the coaches coaching the game are human. Everyone's going to make make mistakes, have tendencies, have habits. If you can spend some time figuring out how they're calling a game and adjusting to it, you're going to be better off. Yes, we can talk about inconsistencies to the blue in the face. That's not what I'm talking about here. But if you can learn to adjust, and I can't tell you how many times I've watched games where teams have been stubborn and don't want to adjust how they play to how the game is being called, you're going to be a better team as a result of that. And that story always sticks out for me as well. Um, I think that I'm trying to remember. Um, for those of you who are just tuning in tonight, we had some big news earlier. This is going to, the person texting me is gonna, hasn't heard this. He's trying to get me to visit his game. Pat Coleman and I are headed to Hope College this weekend to catch the 200th Hope versus Calvin game. We are really looking forward to it. I am flying out tomorrow. 
Um, there is weather forecast for us, a little bit of snow, hoping it's not going to cause any problems. I will be getting in sometime Friday evening. I do not know, honestly, when I may be getting in Friday evening. Going to be there through the game on Saturday. Don't know when my departure is. It might be Saturday night. might be Sunday morning. It's very complicated. Don't worry about it. Pat's coming in at some point. We may be doing a Hoopsville pregame show before, the, before that game. We may not. I mean, to be honest with you, it's a 50-50. There's a lot of logistics in place. Um, but most importantly, we're looking forward to being out there. So if you happen to be going to the games, please check them out. Or I say hi to Pat and I. Uh, there's been talk about us being behind the benches and swapping like the president does at the Army-Navy game. Um, not that they were the president or anything, but it'd just be funny. Uh, there's been talk about sitting elsewhere. Calvin fans think we should sit with the Calvin folk. I'm sure Hope fans want us to sit with the Hope folk. Uh, we'll see. We're going to have some fun. I can't wait. Uh, I've been to the arena before, but this will be the first time Hope or Calvin or both will be in the gym as well. Uh, one quick question before I take a break and we start uh, seeing if we... Well, actually, I'm, I'm going to take a break, come back, and... No, no. Hmm. Happy hour's coming up. I'm trying to debate how we're going to get everybody on here. I don't know if everybody's ready to join me for the... I think I think we can do it. So let me answer this question. I got a question on Hoopsville uh, just a moment ago um, from Drew asking, he goes... It's a little long. It goes Titan basketball fan here with the women's uh, Oshkosh women's team likely on the edge of uh, edge of hosting the first weekend, and the men in, in even more solid position. How does this work? Is it the women's priority year? Um, yes, it is the women's priority year. Um, does the women's committee bracket uh, the first and then the men's committee? Is there ever communication between the two committees? Oshkosh men not being able to host the first weekend because women are could help the West Central men's discussion on the boards. The men's committee could have the two or three seed, not that we truly seed, first weekend pod host the uh, Oshkosh men in Ohio like last year. Are they going to have the bracket like Oshkosh men would host and find teams within 500 miles? So, yes. So, first and foremost, we should remind everybody, women have priority the first weekend. Men have priority the second weekend, meaning if you have two teams in the tournament, um, that are ineligible to host. Two of them that come off the mind, off the top of my head right now, actually three, to be honest with you. One would be, as you mentioned, Oshkosh Drew, also St. Thomas, maybe Whitman. The Whitman women are playing really well. There's an outside chance, hint, hint, that that could come into play, and there's probably some other examples. Women would get first priority. Now, the women don't bracket first, and the men then bracket. That's a delay that's not worth it. There is a communication. The women, being their first year, will go to the men and say, here's who we have hosting. Or the men are going to go to the women and say, here's who we're thinking about hosting. Do you have any that are going to host instead? There is a famous year where it didn't work out so well. Um, who was committee chair that year? Oh, I don't remember who it was. I know it involved Randolph-Macon. The men were told that Rand. Now I do remember who was chair. The men um, were told Randolph Macon women would be hosting, and so Randolph Macon men were removed from the board. They went and did their brackets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They did not know that the women had changed their minds. They found out when the women's bracket was released after the men's bracket. That's when the men found out that they had a chance to host at Randolph Macon, and no one had told them about the change. 
miscommunication happens. They try to eliminate it uh, over the years, but that's how that works. So the men and women will communicate who's going to be hosting. The women saying, yes, we're definitely hosting. Okay, the men go to a second option. Yes, Oshkosh could conceivably end up going to another host. I don't think they would go to a prototypical second or third seed, to be honest with you. They would imagine putting a bracket together. They would go to somebody else in that bracket, and Oshkosh would still be treated somewhat like the top seed there, getting the right matchups. But they wouldn't go to the two or the three. The two would definitely host. It would be going to more like a four or a five. But it can also throw the, a monkey wrench into the mileage. And, yes, you could maybe free up some things in the Central or West, or it may make it more complicated. Thomas Moore, or St. Thomas is going to have to find a home. Oshkosh are going to have to find a home. That might make it more complicated. But imagine if Whitman women are hosting. That means they both go to Whitworth, or potentially the committee now has a chance to move everybody out because the women have a hosting situation. That might actually play in the men's favor. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk. We'll get the happy hour up and running and have some fun uh, and see where it takes us for the next hour or so on this show. You're listening to Hoops Hill presented by D3Hoops.com. We have finished eight hours here on the marathon, looking to do about an hour more of happy hour fun. Can't talk all night. I got to prep to go to Hope. In the meantime, you're listening to Hoops Hill presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More after this. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Amy Reed, head coach at RIT and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave. 